You're listening to Fragments, a new podcast about dementia. Fragments takes a human approach to learning more about dementia. We hope this podcast acts as a stop on your journey with this disease, which we have learned is as unique as the people who live with it. We are definitely not the experts, but each episode we will sit down with one on the front line of dementia care. This week we spoke to Jude Woods, who is a Time to Shine Communities Officer for Leeds Older People's Forum, and recently worked with the Leeds Rhinos on ensuring their match day experience is dementia friendly. Well, good start, Jude. We thought if you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and what it is you do and how you came to do the work you do. Okay, um, so um, my name's Jude Woods. I work on the Friendly Communities Project at Leeds Older People's Forum. Um, it's part of the Time to Shine kind of range of projects that are all about addressing social isolation and loneliness in Leeds. And it's part of a bigger lottery funded programme known as Aging Better. So there's projects happening all over the country. Um, our project is a little bit different because we're not delivering something for the community, which is the case with most of the projects. We're actually working in a systemic way. Um, around and looking at boosting and bringing together age and dementia friendly um, ways of working and ways of promoting more accessibility in the community. Um, so we're called the Friendly Communities Project um, and um, so we do a lot of work around um, dementia friendliness um, but also around age friendliness and trying to really bring those things together. So it's kind of in a nutshell um, what I do. Um, what would you say the long-term goals of the Time to Shine project are? Um, well, really, to have an impact on, on loneliness and isolation and to learn about it. It's a very strongly test and learn project so we can learn more about what works um, so that we can move forward with um, rolling out more of those ideas. Um, of course, the funding is going to run out soon, but we're mm. hoping that we can still continue a lot of the threads and a lot of the um, share a lot of the learning um, and continue with the projects in Leeds. Mm. Have you always had an interest in, in that kind of work? It, it strikes me as something that isn't something you just stumble into. Like, what was your kind of... No, no, of course not. Um, I mean, my background is is kind of community arts, um, mm. but also... She's an artist. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I am an, an artist. Um, and um, so I've done a lot of different kinds of jobs um, in my career. Um, but I've also been an activist, and those kinds of things often mm. kind of merge a bit, you know. So I was very involved in Leeds in the disability rights work that happened in the 90s. There was a big kind of upsurge. Of, of activity around the social model of disability. Uh, so a lot of the things I'm doing now I think are very similar. It's about making the world more, more accessible and friendly and respectful towards, um, in this case, older people. Um, but a lot of the things we do actually benefit younger disabled people as well. And actually I would say benefit all of us mm-hmm. um, in the longer term. Um, so I've had that kind of hodgepodge kind of career. Um, but a lot of community work, a lot of group work, a lot of work with communities, you know, um, mm. across, you know, particularly around equalities as well um yeah it's about like ensuring people have a better understanding of empathy i think sounds like quite a lot of the work that you're doing which is as you say will benefit us all i think empathy is an element but actually i think in a rights-based approach what we're actually looking at is looking at discrimination and looking at barriers and looking at how we can deconstruct those things so that people have a a better um opportunities um so that and there's less segregation you know which i think is one of the consequences of barriers and discrimination Um, and we're a really age segregated society in britain actually yeah Mm. thinking about loneliness and age then 
and obviously funding is one is probably the obvious answer here. But apart from that, what would you say like the main the major obstacles you face in your work, um, whether it's perceptions or just thinking around loneliness? How do you get to those people? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's a really big issue. You know, finding the most lonely and isolated people in of itself is very difficult because they're isolated. Mm. You know, um, so and that's one of the things. There's been a lot of test and learn work going on through the project, not just in Leeds but across the country. Um, so there's still a lot to be learned, but we have learned significant things that are very helpful. Um, and I think resources are very important, um, and actually relationships and people are very important. And of course, that can be in a voluntary role. Um, but it, but actually, we also need people who are being paid, who've got skills, and who mm. are, you know, responsible and kind of working within a framework as well to work alongside volunteers. Generally, projects that rely only on volunteers, it's very hard to sustain them for any length of time. Um, so um, I think we need that mix, you know, um, and the support for the for the voluntary stuff that's going on in the city. There's a lot going on around dementia in the city that is led and delivered by volunteers. Um, so. Uh, so yeah, so what was the question again? So what are the biggest obstacles then apart from funding? Yeah, I mean I think also yes, people's, um, um, I think austerity has been an issue because there's less resources and less opportunities, there's less spaces for pe people to be in and that restricts us a little bit as well. Um, but I think reaching people um, is always going to be a challenge um, and I think we need more innovative and creative ways. But there's been lots of really interesting um, ways of doing that um, and lots of interesting ways of creating something that older people want um, so what we found out you know one of the things we found out for example is that um, a lot of older people don't want to go to things that are for older people mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, and intergenerality is, intergenerationality is a really key thing here mm -hmm. um, also people want to have a role rather than being the recipient you know so actually what we've what a lot of projects have done is is uh, address social isolation and loneliness for some people by recruiting them as volunteers yeah, to work with other people. You know, um, I think we also have to be aware of the digital exclusion as being a really big issue. I think we often depend on digital methods to find people to mm. let people know what we're doing, but there are significant numbers of older people who are not digitally engaged, and again, very often those are the people that also are facing other um, barriers like poverty, um, like um, you know they may have disability or impairments um, and um, which makes it harder for people to learn those technologies mm. you know so there is work being done around trying to help people engage with it and trying to find ways to offer chances for people to get help um, um, not just learning it but to get help accessing information but that doesn't solve the problem of the people who are digitally excluded we don't know about yeah. you know um, and if we only use digital methods to publicize things yeah. we're going to leave those people out Absolutely. so a lot of my work I was um, I worked on the SAGE project which is working with LGBT people and um, and I did a lot of paper flyers and I went out and about and I left them in lots and lots of places we actually have I've noticed a real reduction in physical notice boards yeah. it's all going online yeah um, and so I kind of got quite good at figuring out where are those notice boards um, where I can put things where people may see them and then I think targeting you know so in the case of LGBT obviously going to specific locations where LGBT people may be going um, so I think you know those are some examples but there's obviously a lot more we could be doing around finding and reaching out to the most isolated people. Mm. What do you think um, Leeds is like as a city is it is it quite age friendly? Does it have a good range of things going on, or like, and what could it be doing more of? Yeah. 
So actually in Leeds we're very lucky, uh, we have a lot going on, we have a very strong third sector in Leeds and that's historical, you know, um, I've been in Leeds since the 80s and it was strong then and it still is strong. I think the other advantage we have in Leeds is that we have um, the, a very strong relationship between the city council and the third sector and again that's been the case for a long time. Mm. Um, so what that means is things are really connected and linked up. Um, as, a, as a city we are quite age friendly obviously there's still a lot more we can do and that's what we're working on but we are one of the registered who um, World Health Organisations um, age friendly cities oh, um, there are about 30 over 30 um, not just cities initially when the um, when it first started they were thinking of urban environments and then obviously people said well what about everywhere else so it's become the language has shifted to um, age friendly communities in order to include small towns and rural communities um, so there are um, over 30 um, in England uh, in, might be England Wales and Scotland you can easily find online a map and see them um, and you can learn more about the history of the age-friendly initiative in Leeds um, we work very closely with the council we have a new kind of staff within the public health um, part of the council who are working with us uh, and we've got lots of initiatives um, on the go um, some of which have just been launched this last year um, can I tell you about them? Of course yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> so um, the key initiatives that we are um, working on is um, the business guide, um, which I gave you a copy of, that's available online on the Time to Shine website. So on the Time to Shine website, there's a um, page called Friendly Communities. It's very easy to find, and all of this information is there. Um, so we have the guide, which we want as a practical tool to help people look at how they can become age and dementia friendly, what actions they can take, how they can sign up so they get um, recognition of the of, of the actions that they're taking. Um, and then we also have the Age Friendly Ambassador Programme, which has just been launched in October. And the idea of the Ambassador Programme is to really kind of harness and encourage um, and support all of the fantastic work that's going on across the city. So any adult can become an age-friendly ambassador. Wow. Again, it's really easy to sign up. What you get when you become an age-friendly ambassador is a really cool badge um, and <laughs> lots badge. of information. <laughs> yeah, another badge um, and opportunities to connect with others um, and to find out what's going on in the city, to join in, to also share what you're doing as well. So we encourage people who maybe as part of their job um, work with older people or perhaps provide a service where there may be um, you know some elements that are that are um, relevant to older people um, it could be that somebody wanted to become an ambassador to raise issues around equality for older people within their workplace you know we have an issue about um, employment discrimination towards older older people um, it may be somebody who works in the community um, as a volunteer possibly a volunteer at a memory cafe for example um, or a volunteer on any, any kind of project again where older people may be involved um, we also encourage ordinary citizens to become age-friendly ambassadors you know if people are doing things in their in their locality on their street you know it might be in their church or their mosque mm. or in their community group we're also really encouraging people from marginalized communities to become age-friendly ambassadors so that they can you know spread the age-friendly message and the dementia-friendly message in their communities but also advocate for people from those communities because we know that some older people face additional barriers as well as ones associated with aging um, and or a disability or an impairment or a long-term condition um, so um, so again, you know, take a look at the website, sign up if you're interested. Um, what we've tried to do is to make the role fit 
and be very flexible so that people can use it in lots of different ways. Um, we launched it in October and we already have 100, over 100 oh, ambassadors, awesome. wow. which we're really pleased about because yeah. we had a goal of 50. So we're really hoping that we'll keep we'll keep getting more and more people signed up. Um, so that's a really fantastic initiative. Um, and then um, another area um, is age proud leads, um, and this is about tackling ageism. Now, ageism is one of the forms of discrimination that I think many people kind of think, oh, it's not that much of a big deal. It's not as serious as proper discrimination like sexism or racism. And actually, it is very serious, actually. Um, and I think um, it's still acceptable for people to say things that actually, when you really reflect on it, it's actually quite, quite mm. ageist. Mm. So, you know, a common example is, oh, I'm having a senior moment because I've forgotten something. Actually, think about that a little bit. That's not cool. One of the things we've been looking at as another example is birthday cards. And I don't know if you've ever looked at birthday cards, but they are terribly ageist. I mean, some of them are really cruel and mean. Yeah. We've got one example where it says, oh, um, something about oh, being ugly and old. And then you open it up, it says, doesn't matter, you're going to kick the bucket soon. <gasps> and they're giving that to somebody who's it's on their birthday. Yeah. So, you know, um, there's lots and lots of examples. So the Age Proud Leads campaign, that was also um, launched in October. It's going to be running up until the end of Time to Shine, which is in March 2021. We have five key messages that we're communicating through the campaign. The first message was ageism, let's talk about it, because actually we need to start talking about it and getting much more recognition of it as a serious issue. And that's quite interesting, because a lot of people have been saying to us, ageism, is that's a thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> take, a look at the, yes, take a look at the website for lots and lots of evidence and lots of resources that people can use to promote discussion and more understanding um, and engagement with this issue of, um, of, of ageism. Um, our second message we're about to release, and this one actually is quite interesting because this is about how ageism actually affects people of all ages. Although what we think is that older people, in a sense, get the worst end of it, we know that younger people also face situations where they're being treated unfairly or differently because of their age. Mm. You know, one example we might give is an older person might apply for a job and people say, ah, they're just not, they're a bit, they're a bit out of date, you know, they're going to be a bit slow, they're not really going to be on the ball, they're not dynamic enough for us. Um, but similarly, you might get people saying about a younger person, well, they're not really very experienced, you know, they're not very confident, you know, we need somebody who's a bit more sort of on the ball and is got a bit more life experience to, to, to use in their work. So it can go either way, yeah. you know. Um, so we really want to engage with younger people for this, particularly for this second message, but for all of their messages really, because we think ageism is something that the whole community needs to start thinking more about, taking it seriously and, and changing some of our behaviours, you know. Mm. One piece of research showed that people who've internalised negativity about, about ageing and being an older person actually um, live less so people who have a positive attitude live on average seven years longer. Mm. So actually we know having a positive wow. attitude towards being an older person and towards aging um, is, um, you know, will, will help you live longer and live happier, obviously. I took that yeah. quiz that Time to Shine sent round yeah. and I did it with a, a, a group of older people. We Great. did the quiz together yeah. um, and actually all of the answers that we did about being age proud, they all had the opposite of what, yeah. of what the answer actually was. So yeah. the seven years one, and then how much old people are adding to the economy. Yeah. They were so surprised that yes. they as a group of people were having such a positive impact yeah. and they themselves didn't know that. Yes. And that, yes. that quiz was great for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the same with other forms of discrimination. What we notice is that very often 
people who are targeted with discrimination actually themselves internalise mm. the negativity, yeah. you know, um, and we see that with older people definitely. Yeah. Um, but it's a mixed bag, you know, I did a session at the market where I was talking to older people about ageism, and I had about half and half, I'd say, half the older people thought I meant ageing when I said ageism, mm. and then when I talked about it a bit more, they, they understood what I meant, uh, and they were very negative, because they were, oh, well, yeah, I don't like getting older, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm stiff, I'm, you know, I've got wrinkles and all of that <laughs> negativity about ageing. But actually about half the people I spoke to immediately knew what I meant and said, yes, I'm very annoyed about it. Uh, I left my job early because I was getting fed up with the way everybody was treating me. Things like that, people were saying. I so on that point, I, I worked at the Career Centre at the University of Leeds and the amount of job adverts we used to get that used to say we're looking for a young... Yeah. And that's actually illegal. Yeah. You can't quote yeah. that, it's discriminatory. Yeah. We have to send them back yeah. and say, you can't yeah. say this. Yes. Um, but it's, yeah. it really was a big issue then. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I remember coming across it very early yeah. and uh, not realising, and they didn't realise. It's so like, it's so not thought about that people just do it unconsciously yes. all the time. Yes, yes it's absolutely. entrenched, isn't it, yeah, that kind yeah. of behaviour? Yes. Unconscious bias, again, is something else that we're looking at addressing in the campaign because we know this is an issue, um, particularly through services and particularly amongst medical staff, actually. You know, some of the common examples that we give is somebody, um, Ashton Applewhite, who does a really brilliant TED talk about ageism. She's an American, but we, we, we recommend people to have a look at it because she's very dynamic and engaging and, you know, really great at communicating some of this stuff. And she tells a story about, you know, you went to the doctors and you got a gammy knee. You say, oh, I've got this gammy knee. You know, it's really, it's, it's very painful. What, what do you suggest? And the doctor says, well, you know, you are knocking on a bit, you know, you are in your mm -hmm. late 60s or your early 70s, you've got to expect these kinds of things. So, well, actually, my left knee is the same age and that doesn't hurt, mm -hmm. yeah. so can you send me for some yeah. tests, please? <laughs> yeah. uh, another story of somebody where the doctor said to the lady, "What? Um, so what medications are you on? She said, I'm not on any medications. She said, no, 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 don't, you don't understand, no, what medications are you on? Wow. Uh, you know, you know, really, uh, you know, this kind of thing. You mm. know, so, so again, we know unconscious bias is operating in all kinds of ways, and that the way the response that an older person might get may be different based on that person's unconscious assumptions based on age. Mm. You know, we've really got to start looking at this. Mm. You touched on something yeah. else earlier. I wanted to go back to, and it was about making uh, activities for them. Yes. And yes. with older people yes. um, so one of the big things we've done is we came in a few times before and spoke to residents here and quite yeah. a few of them mentioned being out in the park because that's why we specifically built that space yeah. um, and in different uh, different care homes it might be a different space it yeah. might be a beach which we talked about yesterday mm. and also yeah. well I think we've done it a little bit but something I really want to like keep making more of is giving giving people a job in the space yeah. so that it's yeah. not just about oh we've done a nice thing for you you're welcome now you can come enjoy it it's yeah. actually the plants need watering can you help us you know do you want to plant something and yeah. giving people some ownership over the space and a role because yeah. I mean just personally you know whenever um, my grandma has dementia and I think the biggest thing that she struggles with and the time that she keeps going back to is when she had a purpose yeah and I relate to that as an atypical kind of person who loves doing things and loves being active it would be yeah it, it, you know it would send anyone to a, a certain level of hysteria not to have a role and not yeah. to have a purpose and something yeah. to do every day absolutely so. it's really key isn't it 
And the Tide Shrine project co-production has been really embedded. Yeah. You know, yeah. and again, I know there's other words knocking around co-creation and co-curation and these kinds of terms, but it's all about really involving people and sharing ownership, sharing power around that project. And it's very important. And um, and really, you see the difference. You know, when when you have projects like this where people are very involved. So in our work on the Friendly Communities project, um, we've we very much co-produced. So we have a steering group of older people um, who are advising us and very much involved in a hands-on way in the work that we do. And then we have another group that we work with which is called the Up and Go Deep Group and this is part of a national network of deep groups which are all about people who are living with dementia being involved working together and to influence services wow. um, so both of these groups kind of operate as reference groups and as influencers and, and help us to shape the project um, and that's very very central and you'll see that with a lot of the Time to Shine projects and in fact the overall Time to Shine um, initiative led by Leeds Older People's um, um, Forum has got a lot of co production elements in it you know um, or all kinds of levels you know um, mm. so very much it's really important and again I would say that a lot of the work going on around dementia in the city you know the people living with dementia are very much involved in it um, the, at the moment the Leeds City Council are just finishing their new dementia strategy yeah um, and that's you know has to go through kind of a process of committees and whatnot it should get all signed off and agreed uh, but that's been a very open and participative pro pro um, process and people living with dementia and people such as myself working in the sector have been very involved in devising and developing the strategy and giving feedback on it um, so I think on all levels you know that co-productive methodology is becoming very much integrated into the way that we, we all work as it should be yeah. you know that's fantastic yeah. but it's also people have got so much to offer you know mm. have you guys done the dementia friends session Yes. Yeah. So I think one of the things about the Dementia Friends session that's fantastic is that it begins to show uh, much more what people can do and how much you know we really should be not doing things to people but doing things with people. Yeah. There's a very old saying actually um, in disability rights uh, movements called "Nothing about us without us." Um, it was actually that's appropriated nice. by a Tory MP. I <laughs> <laughs> discussed. Uh, uh, <laughs> But it, it's got its roots in the disability rights movement, and I think it just as much applies yeah. um, in this context as well. Yeah. Um, or any, really. Well, absolutely. Any, yeah. Absolutely. Lived experience, I think. When you value lived experience, um, then, you know, that gives you, that elevates whatever you're doing. Yeah. Mm. But I also think we need to recognise that, particularly with dementia, but with many other long-term conditions that um, impact on older people, is that it's very individual. You know, so no two people who are living with dementia will be experiencing it in the same way. Mm. And that's another reason why we need to talk to people and involve them, uh, because then otherwise what we do might not work for them, because we've kind of made a blanket generalisation about people with dementia need blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Actually, do they? And does mm. Bill or does Gladys? You know, yeah. we need to find out. You know. I think that makes as well, it, in some ways, it, it that kind of everyone being different is it's it makes everything kind of a little bit more well thought out and yeah. a bit more difficult to then go okay so actually we know we know this about dementia so yeah. our answer to that to that is we're going to always make sure there's no black um, rugs on the floor and those sort of things but actually it's about I feel like the only way to work with people living with dementia is to is to be person-centered and there's yeah I don't see yeah. any other way that it, you can work with with people yeah. um, and how, how do you find that within your work because obviously you want to make things age-friendly and dementia friendly mm -hmm. but for, for such a large group of people that are also different how yeah. does that how do you 
does that work with what you yeah. what you're doing yeah. absolutely and i guess it's maybe a mixture of generalizing and more specific things yeah um and it's another reason why we really need to be involving people in the work so that we can keep checking yeah keep getting feedback on it and so yeah. on you know so an example maybe of something very general that I think we can assume that older people need is that many older people have mobility limitations. Therefore, if you have lots of steps, then it's going to be a problem. So, you know, obviously that's a really key action that people can take is looking at that physical access to their, to their location. You're absolutely right. When it comes to offering something specific for a group of people or an individual person, that's where the person-centred working mm. is absolutely crucial um, because then you need to find out what is it that that person needs. Yeah. They might be able to do stairs, actually, but there might be something else that, that that's, that's a barrier yeah. for them. You know. Yeah. And I think some of the, the generalisation things, for me, eliminates quite a lot of fear because yeah. when I hear that um, dementia is as diverse as the people that it affects, that for me is quite an overwhelming concept because yeah. it means no matter how much time I spend with older people, I'll never quite like be a master at it, which maybe it's just something about my personality. But I think some of the generalization things give you a sense of, I can do this. It's yeah. like a confidence building thing. So I don't yeah. know, I can't wait to read your guide that you've yeah. given us because I think there's something in there about, well, I've done a base level of things. Yeah. And then on top of that, all I can do is be kind yeah. and all I can do is be human and react to someone's personality which is I think also observe what's going on is it mm. working you know yeah. Um, so yeah no absolutely I think that you're right though there is more if you do proper person-centered work it does need more resource because you need to spend more time you might need to um, amend something adapt something you might need to buy something mm. new mm. you know there might be consequences that have costs and the time it takes to do it is is but but that's really important that we need to invest that in mm. our you know in our communities yeah and to be more reactive to it as well yeah, yeah. so i think you need to do both yeah. and move between them mm. you know you did some work with leeds rhinos recently and that's kind yeah. of how we discovered you <laughs> how yeah. you came to us um could you tell us a little bit about that well i just went and did a dementia friend session with oh. the team um, obviously it's useful um um um, to have lots of people who can offer the dementia friends session and what's really brilliant about it is that it's quite accessible and easy and there are people delivering it. and again a bit like our ambassadors you've got people from all walks of life who are delivering it you know um, so um, myself and my colleague Sarah who also works on the project we both became dementia champions might be something for you guys to do you just it's free to go on a one-day training course and if you already do group work or teaching then um, they're looking for people like that to go on it um, once you've done it you can then deliver sessions um, they give you all the Alzheimer's Society give you all the materials that you need to do it um, so um, what's the question again sorry just to tell us a little bit about the work you were doing with Leeds Ryan. Oh right, yeah. So basically, they were after somebody to come and do a session with the with the first team, and um, and um, and so I went and did it. You know, Amazing. Um, and they were really great, actually. Um, they were. I had to use my kind of loud voice a couple of times because they were all a bit rambunctious, <laughs> but that's okay. I've worked in all kinds of environments, including with young people. Um, so, uh, but it was fun, and um, and we did a little piece for TV, so we got a bit of press coverage off it as well. Nice. Um, but Leeds Rhinos, as actually. Actually, Leeds, Leeds, um, Leeds United and the Cricket Club are all doing stuff um, and they all have these reminiscence groups that people yeah. go to because for some um, older people who are living with dementia the sports thing is, is mm. something that they're still very much in touch with um, and they've got that historical um, knowledge you know um, so there's some fantastic work going on and an organization the name I've forgotten now historic something or another they're called they're online easy to find they, I know the they do some, have their weekly or 
monthly in touch um, group meetings yeah. where people can come and just talk yeah. and I think some of the players drop in. Yeah, that's yeah, the rugby yeah, plan. Yeah. Like a memory cafe yeah, yeah. and a reminiscence group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. Just thinking again, because I'm, I'm a big Leeds Rhinos fan, like, I've right. gone to the games and I know the club have mentioned they want to make match days more dementia friendly. Yeah. Um, do you have any ideas? Because, you know, match days for anyone can be kind of overwhelming, yeah. there's a lot yeah. going on. How, uh, what sort of advice would you give, you know, places looking to be more dementia friendly? Are there kind yeah. of some easy wins which places would Well, again, if you look at the pack, what we've tried to do with the pack is it's actually five documents. Mm. The idea being that people can kind of mix and match and also if someone's not got a lot of time, they can just look at the quick first version. Um, and in a sense, the kind of easy to do list. But if people are wanting to take it further, there's a document in there called Go the Extra Mile, which is like really about, okay, let's really go for it. So as in Leeds, again, we're very lucky. We're a pioneering project at Leeds Playhouse. We're actually ahead of the curve around theatre performance and de developing dementia-friendly work and it co-production around the curatorial work they're doing there with people. We had um, Nikki on yesterday. Yeah, uh, Nikki and Rosa from yeah. the Playhouse yesterday. Yeah, really good conversation about the stuff they're doing and yeah. again working with yeah. people. Also Opera North as well, they've had their first um, dementia-friendly performance last year um, and they've obviously learned a lot from the Playhouse. So, I mean, again, it's a bit like how long's a piece of string, how far do you want to go? Yeah. Um, um, you know, one of the things that the, the, the Playhouse have developed is the idea of like people to welcome people, to support people, to find their way to their seats. So there's lots and lots mm. of things like that, that that they're doing that I think actually would be applicable in a sports environment situation. So I guess my first thing would be look at the guide. Um, yeah. There's lots of stuff in there about, about how, how to approach it. Um, and um, what we would say, I guess, to all organisations and businesses is try to set achievable goals and do those things and then, and then more so that you can build up. Um, now, Leeds Rhymes have already done a lot, yeah, yeah, um, but they obviously there will be more that they can do. Um, so I think looking at um, you know whoever's leading on that initiative, sit down and look at okay, what can we do? What more can we do? How can we make it even better? Um, so yeah. Yeah, as well as our community foundation does a lot of good work. There are those, and yeah, Leeds United. I think in the past few years have caught up. Yeah. I think on the previous ownership they weren't as good, but. Um, yeah, it's good to see because sports is actually quite a good way of reaching people yeah, who might not normally access things. So. Especially men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the articles yeah, yeah. that have come out recently about yeah. young people heading footballs and how that impacts yes. their brain and that, yes. like, I feel like sports and dementia is quite interlinked in some mm, ways. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really interesting that, that those kind of clubs have those kind of community outreach stuff. Also, um, they've got clout, don't they? Like, there's yes. the audience for sport is huge yeah absolutely they've got a good platform yeah and um, i wanted to ask a kind of a, i guess a bit more of a kind of a specific question about and um, within your role at time to shine how you you obviously do work with loads of different projects and i know time to shine have funded hundreds and um, of amazing things but um what your thoughts were about kind of art specific projects and how they how they work maybe differently or what kind of impact they have as opposed to kind of some of the other projects which is about you know you know the digital projects because they've all got quite yeah. different yeah um approaches and and kind of yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes, I mean, you're right. There's been a fantastic portfolio of arts-based projects mm. through the Time to Shine project. Um, and nationally, there's all sorts of work going on around the understanding um, of the therapeutic opportunities mm. that arts practice offers. Um, and also... Um, 
you know this kind of socially engaged idea about art being um, a, a vehicle for social change or for yeah. elevating social change and I think both things are, are, are tremendously important and exciting I think one of the things that's brilliant around dementia and the arts is that because a lot of arts can be non-verbal yeah. um, it can um, give opportunities for um, someone living with dementia to express themselves um, in other ways you know um, and also because very often you know one of the things we know about the singing groups is that it really works and that you know people who haven't spoken for ages can sing you mm. know because again those songs are embedded you know in our memories from childhood yeah we've seen so many singing yeah, yeah. 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 yeah the singing yeah the singing stuff is fantastic um, and you know again we know that for anybody um, being creative is therapeutic you know we, we are naturally storytelling and um, you know we, we, I think most people have got a bit of a performer inside them you know mm. and one of the maybe advantages of, um, of of dementia is that loss of inhibition that people can actually have fun and enjoy themselves and mm. express themselves in a way they may not have done before dementia there's a fantastic quote from one guy actually uh, who came to a road show and he said that I'm having so much fun since I've got dementia <laughs> because he's been going out and doing loads of stuff and before he wasn't yeah. you know um, so uh, so I think I think there's massive potential um, I think um, we've hardly started really um, you know with what we could be doing with it I think the play Maggie May we've got coming up yeah. um, is going to be fantastic um, again another sort of example of embedding this practice within professional arts companies where you get a quality piece of work that is cr helping social change, is celebrating older people and people living with dementia um, and, you know, opening up much a, bit, a much bigger conversation. You know, this is again, I think, part of what age, what we're trying to do with Age Proud Leads as well is opening up a conversation about ageing and, and thinking more about it positively um, because we need to do this, you know, mm. as a society we tend to sort of, most people tend to kind of, well, I'm not thinking about it, I'm not thinking yeah. about it, you know, um, but actually, you know, embarking on your older years with a whole package of negativity is not good for your health, you know, and I think it is going to be an elevator for isolation um, and so on. So um, I think That's there's weird, lots of ways. Because there's lots of studies to suggest that people generally get more content and happy yes. as they get older. Yes. But throughout, they're constantly fearing getting older. Yes. Yeah. So the reality and is different to the perception. Absolutely. The same way that people always say, if you ask older people, what, what, how old is an older person? They always say 10 years older than them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. that it's removed from that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, yeah. But I would argue that's partly because culturally it's very deeply embedded that aging and being an older person is bad and yeah. terrible. Yeah. You know, the worst, the people who the evidence suggests have the worst time with it are the middle-aged. Yeah. Now what we think is that's because it's it's on the horizon. You know, you guys can be whatever, whatever, whatever. You only read twenty light years away. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> not Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Lily and I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's way, way over there. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. But once you start getting to your late forties and the fifties, that's where a lot of people are having crises about it. And you know, we're seeing a lot of people having plastic surgery, mm. you know, um and um becoming keep fit fanatics. You know, um, thinking that if I just have super, super, super healthy, I won't get old. Uh, well, you may, you know, stay well for longer, but you're still going to get old. And if you're stressing about it so much, you yeah. may actually age yeah. quicker than yeah. you expect. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. 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 I think it's really important what you say, Chris, about about that content, feeling content yeah. when you're older, because actually, I every conversation I think I've I've had with an older person um, about aging and about um, 
what it feels like to be older and how how they feel feel towards certain subjects mm. and and being you know very kind of present in in the modern world a lot of them are just like you know what it didn't ma- it doesn't matter to me anymore about kind of these things i don't care about what i say in mm. in a sense because i know what i believe and i believe that so deeply and not questioning themselves as yeah. much and i think that to me, it looks like a place of like sheer joy, not yeah. questioning mm-hmm. everything that you say and Can't you do yeah. because you feel so contented with who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, we should celebrate that. We should mm-hmm. be promoting that sort of thinking, not just in your older years, but beyond. But actually, if you can get to that point and feel that way, that's that's a great place to mm-hmm. be. Absolutely. There's lots and lots of positives about being an older person, yeah. but we don't hear about them in mm-hmm. our society. Um, and that's what we want to do with Age Proud Leaders to really promote that idea. So the fifth message of the campaign is going to be celebrating being an older person um, and, and being positive about ageing. And of course that's going to coincide with um, the International Day of Older People in October. We're going to be doing a bit of a festival um, because we're coming to the end of Time to Shine. Yeah. So we're going to kind of do lots of celebratory stuff um, and lots of positive stuff and really push those positives you know we're going to have a key message in the summer that's going to be about marginalized communities and this is going to be about really shining a light on um on older people from marginalized communities and and the contribution that people have made we're going to do a little bit of a um a a kind of a earlier reference to that around saint patrick's day because as you may know we've got a very big irish community in leeds and in fact the city is very indebted to the irish community they built Um, it most yes, absolutely. Yeah, we built it. So yeah, it's all Irish. Right, cool. Or maybe you might want to get involved in this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we thought we'd do something around St Patrick's Day to kind of just kind of do a bit of a shout out for the Irish community and for Irish older people. Um, but but we're we're going to return to that again in the summer um, mm. and really shine a light on LGBT community, on the BAME communities, um, and disabled people. Uh, because again, what often happens for disabled people is as we age, we become a bit invisible as a disabled person because everybody just assumes that you're you know you walk like that because you're old. It's actually one oh. I've, I've always walked like this actually you know mm-hmm. um so i think there's issues there as well about um not not just looking at older people who acquire an impairment as an older person but looking at older disabled people and we have some projects in time to shine looking at um supporting older people learning disabilities um but there's a lot more we could be doing you know yeah. um, around that do, do you worry about life after time to shine because obviously it's amazing yes. when there is that lottery funding yeah um and there's some great stuff to celebrate the end and obviously you'll be planning legacy yeah but taking that is there is going to be some sort of obviously there's going to be less money around to fund these brilliant brilliant projects that we've been doing we obviously will be looking at alternative streams of funding and hoping that some of the ideas will get taken on by organizations that have core funding um and um so I think um, also we hope that some of it could be volunteer led you know there's a fantastic network of memory cafes and singing groups um I think there's again around 40 um, and most of them are delivered by volunteers some of them have support from organizations like neighborhood networks or or other community-based organizations but some of them are completely independent running in little church halls you know um, and they're very important Um, so I think um, you know hopefully some of that will continue but I mean as I said earlier you know there is an issue about sustaining that um, and it really does make a difference if there's an organisation and paid staff to support those kinds of initiatives Um, so I think um, you know some of what has started in Time to Shine will continue Um, the learning will certainly be impacting um, what people are planning to do and new projects that people are devising Um, I do think short-termism 
is an issue in the third sector. Um, there's a lot of funding that is always short term, mm. a lot of projects that are two to three years. And actually, in my view, you can't do community development work in two to three years. Yeah. You just can't do it, you know. Uh, so I think, you know, there's a real issue there, and I think that's actually quite worrying. There's a danger to make things worse. I guess yeah, absolutely. something set up and then pulled away. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. People could be worse yeah. off for having a taste of something and then, oh. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think for some communities it's kind of insulting and disrespectful yeah. um, and I've encountered this reaction from some particularly deprived and working class communities where there's you know real scarcity of resources and money um, and people are like well you're only going to be here for five minutes you know mm. and in my in my view really to, to build a, a community-based project you need a couple of years to just get it set up mm. you know the other problem that we have is that there's an impact there's a knock-on effect for the staff who work on those projects many of them um, won't work to the end of the project because for them it's a risk that they're going to have a period of no, no income work, yeah. so people will leave before the end um, so again it's very difficult for projects to then manage and to, to, mm. to, to finish a project well you know so there's, and there's all kinds of issues around short-term short-termism um, and, and I think that's been really exacerbated by austerity uh, so I think that is an issue mm. um, but these are issues that we've had for a long time um, and um, it doesn't look like they're going away in the immediate future obviously there's a lot of uncertainty about what's going to be happening around social care and around um, you know um, what the sort of funding environment is going to be you know, in the next few years um, so things will change um, and there will be less opportunities but there will I think be more than there was before time to shine Absolutely. so that's that's a positive mm. you know and look if you change enough minds and yes. promote a better message then that aging is a good thing then that yeah. has a huge long-term impact, doesn't it? A Absolutely, lot of people yeah. Take that on board and yeah. And I think the the impact of people's understandings about loneliness and isolation, not just for older people, because again, one thing that's come up is actually it's not just older people who are lonely and isolated. This can be an issue yeah, for people yeah. across our society. Uh, and I think generally, there's more understanding of the importance of addressing it, and the long-term impacts on people's health and well-being. I think mm. there's much more general awareness that it's it's not great for us. You know, um, or even that that's a priority, people's yeah. health and well-being. Because I don't think it really was no. <laughs> actually from like maybe ten years ago. So yeah, it's and I think even in our small you know group example, you know, Chris and I probably wouldn't be interested in making this work if it wasn't for Lily, who's yeah. worked on the like yeah. time to shine funded projects. So yeah. even in a micro example of how awareness about these topics is spreading, I think yeah, yeah it's definitely made a massive impact well and within the art sector i think there's much more knowledge understanding and interest you know it's a very vibrant scene now mm. of, of projects that are very socially engaged um, and there are very many young artists coming out of art college who see themselves as socially engaged artists that's what they see their career as being yeah not just visual arts obviously but you know right across the um the, the different art forms um, and i think that's very exciting um yeah great um, we are probably coming to the end of our time together as we have to get back to our park. Yes, Is there absolutely. anything else you wanted to say? Let me just check my list. <laughs> I, did, I did want to say we have been asking everyone um, if there's one public service announcement that you could make about working with old people or dementia or being age proud, anything like that that you would, if you could put it on all the billboards in all of the UK, what would it say or what would you want people to, to take away from, from those me a message that you might have? Something specifically dementia focused or Doesn't more generally? It could be general. Yeah. Um, well, one of the slogans that we've been kind of using in the Age Proud um, Leads campaign, which I think is really helpful, 
um, is don't discriminate against your future self. And I really like it because it's a great way to engage with everybody, actually, Mm. older people as well. Mm. Um, So so that's again can apply to a number of things. Environmental, you know, how you treat the planet. Yes, absolutely. It's very relevant there, isn't it? But I think it's also relevant in terms of like how we get people on board with adopting a positive attitude to ageing and challenging ageism. Is because many people might think, well, I'm not, you know, whatever. It's not not affecting me, you know. But actually, it will. You know, and if we don't create a much more age-positive society, then you know, future generations are going to be on the um, the rough end of that. Yeah. You know, um, so that's that's one thing. I think in terms of dementia, um, I think, I mean, again, this is a big part of the kind of content of the dementia friends session is really trying to get people to step away a bit from the tragic disaster response to dementia you know um you know we can live well with dementia as you can with any impairment actually especially if we have a dementia friendly society and if we have um good support for people Mm. around the hard stuff so again also we have to be mindful that we don't say oh it's just great having dementia there's no problems or horribleness obviously there is um, and we're not denying that those things aren't there um, but our society tends to focus completely on them and not see some of the positives and not see how people can have a quality of life you when they're living that. with dementia, mm-hmm. especially if we have a dementia-friendly society. So live well, you can live well with dementia and, yes. have, and have a full And that's why we need to life. make a dementia-friendly society. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, we couldn't have achieved what we've achieved without our partners and that's the Leeds City Council, the NHS, third sector um, as well as the community and the universities to some extent as well so I think that that partnership working is absolutely crucial you know we all need to pull together in order to make the systemic changes that we need to create an age and a dementia friendly society Massive thanks to Jude for coming into the care home Since we spoke, I've actually become an age-friendly ambassador and would really recommend you guys check out their work. Thanks. Bye.